Matthew 17, beginning at verse 24. This is God's holy and infallible word. This is just four verses. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. And when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked, from whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered. Well, then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not offend them, and now listen, kids. But so that we may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. That's God's word for us this morning. So we've got a couple of very everyday topics in our reading this morning. Taxes and fishing. And the second one is probably just a little more pleasant than the first. Uh, So let's think about that first. We're in the season of fishing Uh, The family and I spent a couple of days around the 4th at my parents' house in Michigan. And if you know Michigan at all, West Michigan, near Allegan. They live on a small lake there, and we always fish. Last week, I caught with that very pole a few bass, which are always what I'm going for. Hannah, our second oldest, caught a few bass too. Sophia, our third oldest, uh, who's 11, Uh, got five very nice sunfish, three off the dock, two from the boat. And they all used nets uh, to catch minnows and a turtle too. The prize fish for the two days was caught by Hannah off the dock, a really nice crappie. And they're just beautiful fish. They're very good eating. I don't ever remember any of us catching one that large. We read about fishing in the Gospels more often, not just in our text. A number of the disciples, uh, the two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew, James and John, were fishermen. And these four disciples, actually also Matthew, the writer Matthew, all came from Capernaum. And that's the town that was mentioned in our text. It's in red at, near the top of the screen in this uh, map of ancient Israel. Capernaum was on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, which was not really a sea. It's called a sea, but it was really a very large lake. And about 18 species of fish are found in that lake. Ten of them are important commercially, especially the biny, the mushed, and the sardine. And here's just a diagram of them. The biny's number one. The mushed group is two and the sardine is three. The biny is often like 13 to 15 pounds or even larger and similar to a carp. The mushed is the most popular fish to eat. Their flat shape makes them ideal for like a frying pan. They can get up to four pounds and 18 inches, but they're usually smaller. And the most well-known fish in that second group is called the tilapia galilea. And that's also known as the Peter fish. The third group, the sardine, smallest, 
kind of look like a, a small herring. And before we get to taxes, let's stay on the nice topic of fish just a little bit. Here are a couple. These are biny. You see how big they are and how heavy they could get. These are the uh, Peter fish, the tilapia galilea. And this is someone eating uh, one of the sardines. Taxes is the other topic, and that's uh, what kicks off this passage. That's what kicks off this miracle. There's a man on vacation uh, once uh, strolling along outside his hotel in Acapulco, and he was really enjoying the sunny Mexican weather. Suddenly, he was attracted by the screams of a, a woman kneeling in front of a child. And he knew enough Spanish to determine that the child had swallowed a coin. Seizing the child by his heels, the man held him up, gave him a few shakes, and an American quarter dropped to the sidewalk. Oh, thank you, sir, cried the woman. You, you seem to know just how to get it out of him. Are you, are you a doctor? No, ma'am. He said, I'm with the United States Internal Revenue Service. (laughs) Taxes, like fishing, come up in other places in the New Testament, but it's usually taxes owed to the government, which in Israel's case, in Jesus' day, was Rome. Rome occupied Israel in Jesus' day in these times. Um, And that was the case when Jesus said, pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. That's the emperor of Rome. But this is different. This is a temple tax, we read. And we find out back in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, uh, when God gave there all these instructions about worship in the temple, he set up in Israel a tax for the upkeep of the temple where God's people worshipped. Every male, 20 years and older, was supposed to pay this temple tax annually. And God said that a half shekel should be paid. The equivalent in Jesus' day with the Greek coinage that they often used was two drachmas. It's the same as the half shekel in the Old Testament. The four drachma coin, however, was the most commonly minted and easiest to come by. And so most people found a friend to pay the temple tax with. And that's why that coin, the four drachma coin, was in the fish. So some everyday topics are involved in this miracle. And from them, we get some everyday practical faith lessons that I want to share with you. First, we see that practical faith in Christ models its humble attitude. It models its humble attitude. I want to explain that more, what I mean by that. When Peter, in our verses, comes inside to talk to Jesus about this temple tax, Jesus asks a very interesting question. And he's, he's really talking about a little bit more of a government tax. Jesus says that members of a king's family do not pay taxes, which, which is obvious. Uh, taxes are paid for by the citizens of a kingdom. And if it's a, a king, a monarchy, uh, they pay taxes to keep up the castle, to pay for uh, the royal family's clothes and food and transportation. Uh, The point he's raising is that the children of a royal family don't pay taxes. Taxes come to them for their benefit. 
And so, Jesus says, the sons are exempt. In this case, talking about the temple, Jesus is the son of the God of the temple. And so he shouldn't have to pay temple taxes. And Jesus seems to be including Peter in this too, and the other disciples, and even, it seems, the disciples of Jesus in successive generations, down to you and me today. In other words, all those who put their faith in the Son are in a position of privilege because through Him, we become members of God's household. We become sons and daughters of the King. It could be that, that Peter was thinking of this exchange with Jesus uh, when he wrote in the second chapter of his first letter, you are a chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We're special. We're children of the Most High. All who put their faith in the Son of God, Jesus, become children of the Heavenly Father. And though babies like little Aiden this morning aren't old enough yet to exercise faith, you know what? That child is special because he's been born into a family of faith. Though baptism doesn't save him, we don't treat him and raise him like a little pagan, but instead as a covenant child with all the privileges and the promises that come along with that, He's a precious son of the king, and especially his family, but his church family too will disciple him and pray for him and, and, and support him uh, so that when he's older, he accepts for his very own the promises of God. Even though people of faith are privileged, even though the children of believers are holy, which means set apart, special, there's humility to faith. And that's especially what Jesus is showing us here. He says, we don't have to pay this tax, but in order not to offend, we'll pay it. And so Jesus is showing Peter how he humbles himself. Faith doesn't strut around proudly because the Bible says sons and daughters of the kingdom will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Faith doesn't rub our privileged and special position that I've been talking about. Faith doesn't rub that in other people's faces. Faith is humble. And in the very next verses, Jesus talks about that topic, which makes us think he really wants us to see this in this miracle. Whoever humbles himself will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is how his teaching is going to go in the next verses. It's interesting that unlike other miracles, that the only disciple in our text is Peter. And that, that's a little different. It, it, it could be that Peter especially needed to hear this. After all, when Jesus first was talking to the disciples about his suffering and death that was coming up, Peter said, no way, Jesus, not you, Never. You're never going to die. Peter, in particular, might have needed a little lesson from Jesus here that would relate to the cross. And he maybe especially needed to learn that the Savior, 
doesn't demand his rights with all the power he has and has access to, but instead he gives up his rights. The hymn in Philippians 2 says, He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. This is what Jesus came to do. His divine power was used to sacrifice and serve, and that culminated in the cross. And this is what all people of faith do because faith has a humble attitude in all areas of life. And and so God's Word, uh, when giving direction uh, for husbands and wives, it says husbands, who most often are more powerful, bigger, stronger, louder, Jesus says that strength, that power is to be used in the home to serve the wife to serve the family, not rule them with an iron fist because he's the leader and he's stronger. The father is the chief servant of the family, gives up his rights, and the chief servant of the wife. In the church, like here, we humbly serve. We're not out there demanding everything be catered to us, but instead we put others before ourselves. Again, Philippians says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And so for Aiden and for all of our children, we raise them, we disciple them to know just how special their status is as kingdom kids, but at the same time, teach them, model for them, all of us, parents especially, but all of us, we model for them that kingdom kids, kingdom people are humble so that they care about others. And they don't lord it over others, whether it's their siblings or schoolmates or anywhere. Another lesson, practical faith in Christ sees the big picture. And the big picture is that the time was coming when the temple being talked about in the passage would be irrelevant. Up until now, for God's people, the temple was key for their faith. That was where you went to meet with God. God's presence was in the temple in a special way. But that would change with Jesus coming. Now, you meet God through faith in the Son, not through a temple, not through a building. A church building is helpful. It's it's a tool, and it's very helpful uh, to gather a group of people together. I mean, it'd be difficult to do this in a field somewhere, Um, but you could, I guess. But a church building is a helpful place uh, to gather, to worship, to pray, to sing, to hear God's Word in a focused way, in a quiet environment. And it makes sense uh, in order to represent ourselves and honor God that we we keep up this building, we take care of it, and it's the place where we have these special activities where we grow in fellowship. But, but a building is not in itself what it's about. It's about Jesus. Jesus is how we meet God now. The unbelieving Jews in Jesus' day needed to hear this. Jesus had already said about himself, one who is greater than the temple is here. He said those exact words. And, he's talk, and he would soon say, this temple, 
talking about himself, possibly pointing to himself. This temple will be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. Uh, Talking about himself, his resurrection three days after the crucifixion. He's the new temple. And in fact, uh, the temple all along, even back in Old Testament times, it was always about Jesus. It was always a pointer for Israel, the ancient church in the Old Testament, a pointer for God's people back then toward the coming of the Messiah. It wasn't an end in itself. All along, it was a temporary fixture. Here in our verses, though, it's before Jesus' death and resurrection, and he doesn't need to see, he doesn't see the need to press the issue here and now to the tax collectors. But things were changing with the arrival of the Son of God, of the Son of God, of the God of the temple, soon enough that the temple's upkeep wouldn't be needed at all anymore. The other piece of the big picture is the mission of those who have faith in Jesus. And Matthew 28 records it, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. And Peter, being sent to go fishing here, reminds us back when he was called in Matthew 4, and Jesus said, I'm going to make you, and he said it to his brother and to James and John too, I'm going to make you guys fishers of men. That's who we really want to hook. People with the good news. That's the mission. That's the focus. And and so we're being reminded of the big picture of the church. That we've got to keep our eye on the main thing. Discipling. Reaching. Teaching. Hooking others. That others would catch a vision for this awesome gracious, loving Lord that we serve. As soon as sons and daughters of the kingdom let minor things overwhelm, the church gets sidetracked. Like, I don't know, there are a million examples. Like overly thinking about what people wear. That's something that has tripped up church and church leaders and church members. Whether you're someone who would want to press that people and leaders in the church should dress down more, or you're someone who wants to press, no, we need to dress up more. You know what? There's a bigger picture than that. Or like getting lost in thinking about uh, songs and the order of worship that you like or don't like, getting obsessed with the design of a new wallpaper or carpet. It's not about the carpet. It's about the mission. There are bigger fish to fry, we might say. And it's not that we don't have conversations about these sort of things. It's not that these things are unimportant. It's not that they don't matter at all, but we have to view all of these things in light of the mission, which is fishing for men and women and students and boys and girls. So let's stay focused on the mission here at Faith CRC. As someone put it, Uh, The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. On a personal level, we might think about this as well. God has a calling. He has a mission uh, for each one of us. And for a number of people, it's multiple callings. As you think of family responsibilities, work. 
we should all evaluate what's going on in our lives to see if, if our lives, if, if these things contribute or perhaps don't contribute to God's purpose for us. There are things that can distract us from our main mission in life. Sins that trip us up and sidetrack us. Bad habits like drinking too much. And so we want to search our lives for habits, practices, stuff that keeps us from doing God's main thing for us. Living for Jesus, serving others. And like I said, we do those main things in different specific areas. I do, I'm called to do that as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a friend. And each one of you, you're called in different ways. One final lesson. Practical faith in Christ trusts its almighty source. So we trust the almighty source. And the source of our faith, right, is God. The source is Christ himself. Matthew, as in other miracles, and we haven't focused on this much, we've talked a little bit about it, but Matthew, as in many other miracles, is showing us the divinity of Jesus. Jesus is fully man, except for sin, fully human, but he's also truly God. And the disciples and the people in the crowds that uh, saw him were beginning to get this. For some of them, it made them reject him and, and made them go against him. Others he received. Here we see this divinity of Jesus in how this conversation uh, that Peter has with the tax collectors moves forward. By the way, they probably went to Peter as the owner of the household who would have been responsible for his tax, but also he'd be responsible for any other adult males who were in his home or staying with him. We think this might have been Jesus' home base for the few years that he walked on this earth. Well, Peter talks to the tax collectors, comes into the house where Jesus is, And I don't know if you caught it. I didn't catch it the first time I read this, but Jesus knows exactly what Peter was talking about. It's as if he was right there for the conversation. And that's because, like God himself, he is a a second person of the Trinity, Jesus is all-knowing. And we call that his omniscience. Matthew makes it very clear that's what's going on because he emphasizes Peter comes in the house and what does Matthew say? Jesus was the first to speak. So he's telling us that Jesus knew already there's something special about this guy. We also find in our verses that Jesus is omnipotent and that means all-powerful, like God because he is God. Jesus came up with this really spectacular way to pay for his temple tax in Peter's. He tells Peter to throw out his line and that he'd find a coin in the mouth of the first fish he caught. Every other time we hear about fishing in the New Testament, it seems to be with a net. But here it's got to be a hook if you're throwing out a line, like the fishing that we're all used to. Ironically, this was probably not a Peter fish, because those uh, tilapia galilea from the Musht family eat plankton and not meat. And more likely, this was one of those bigger carp-like fish, the biny. 
if the fish went for the bait, which it did. But you think about it a little deeper, and you think about all that had to be controlled and worked out for this to happen. First of all, someone had to have dropped a four drachma coin in the lake. This particular fish would have had to eat it up, but not swallow it. And then Peter's hook would have had to have been thrown in the water near this particular fish. And then the fish would have to be hooked and reeled in in such a way that the coin stayed in its mouth long enough for Peter to see it and grab it. Jesus orchestrated all of this with his almighty power. I don't know if the two drachma tax would have been a burden for Peter, to pay, if that was a lot, it was worth about two days' wages. Um, But whether or not it was a burden for Peter, it's as if Jesus is saying, I'll provide for all the details of your life. You don't have to worry about little things like this. Trust in me. Put your life in my care. I'm the almighty source of your faith, and I'll provide all that you need for body and soul. And, and so we can be assured, friends, that as we keep the main thing the main thing, God will take care of all the details and miraculously provide for the sons and daughters of the kingdom. As we keep our eye on the main thing as a church, to disciple others, to teach, to fish for men and women and children and students, we can worry. We don't have the money or the people power. We don't have a new enough building. We don't have enough leaders to do this or that. But God says, as we focus on the mission, he'll work out all the details. And we can certainly see in the history of our church that he always has. He's always come through. He's always been faithful. Same thing in our own personal life. As we seek to be a faithful child of God, In every area of our life, humble in faith, looking at the big picture of salvation and how it focuses on Jesus. You know what? God will miraculously provide all we need. We don't need to sweat the small stuff. And because there's a coin in this text, it makes me think one of the things that we can sweat, that I can sweat, it could talk to Sarah, is money. But you know what? That's small stuff for a Christian who worships God because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Money is small stuff to him. Your money, your situation, that, all the other details of your life, as you focus your life and your home, men as leaders especially, I think, and parents, on the main thing, God is going to work out the details. One, one final thought that, that I want to close with about faith trusting its almighty source is, is um, thinking about that idea of Christ's omniscience, that he's all-knowing. And as you hear that this morning, you might find it just a bit disconcerting that Jesus knows all things. Because it, know, it means he always knows what you're doing. He always knows what you're saying. He always knows what you're thinking. You might be like, whoa, there are things about me I don't want Jesus to know. And so for an honest Christian, an honest person, this is a little scary. 
You know, for an unbeliever, you know what? They probably could care less. Who cares if if Jesus sees everything I do? But for a sensitive believer, Christ's omniscience makes us pause. But the thing is that you've got to remember that he's put a, a treasure inside of you, a coin, if you want to call it that, faith, his grace, salvation, regeneration, which means he's changing us to become more and more like him. If we're truly a child of God, and if we're truly doing some soul searching, which we should regularly be doing in our lives, then we realize how far we fall short, how far we fall short, how far we have to go to be like Jesus. And that disappoints us. But if you have that deep down desire to serve the Lord and live for Him in your life, you don't have to worry. If you have that desire, you know what? Only God could have put that desire to live for Jesus and love Him in your heart. It means that if you have the desire, salvation is dawning in your heart and though we're imperfect, we can be confident that we belong to Him. If you concentrate on your faults and shortcomings, you'll never feel worthy. We give those over to Jesus in prayer. Instead, concentrate on that treasure in your heart of wanting to live for him, that precious, valuable coin of new life that only he could have placed there and let that shine for all to see. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd Uh, bless us in continued worship as we come out of uh, the message that uh, you would be honored. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.